Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Help them see how their biggest challenges are an expression of their deepest strengths. In other words, how their weaknesses and their strengths are the same. So for example, it's very common in our world these days for people to have difficulty with attention span, easily distracted. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. We're always told to play to our strengths while downplaying or avoiding our weaknesses. We strive so hard to hide our shortcomings both from others and ourselves. In reality, they're both two sides of the same coin. Without understanding both, we never see the full picture. Our biggest challenges are an expression of our greatest strengths. Let's learn to see the best in ourselves by acknowledging the worst. This episode was originally recorded as part of the Claiming Self-Authority course, available at courses.clearandopen.com. Speaking of courses, I've got a new one coming up, and I want to tell you about it. I've wanted to cover essential leadership tools for a while, but I couldn't find the angle to make it really powerful. I'm talking about tools like visions, org charts, job descriptions, etc. These are all important, but not in the ways most people think. When I do business development with clients, I have them create these kinds of things, but a course on the basics didn't excite me. And then I remembered where the power really was, and I want to recite my favorite Michael Gerber quote from the best-selling book, Emith Revisited, to illustrate. He says, The problem with most failing businesses I've encountered is not that their owners don't know enough about finance, marketing, management, and operations. They don't, but those things are easy enough to learn but that they spend their time and energy defending what they think they know. The greatest business people I've met are determined to get it right, no matter what the cost. What Gerber says here points to the confusion between context and content that is epidemic in our society. How to create a budget, a repeat sales process, a marketing plan, these are not difficult tasks once you know the basics of how to do it. That's the content, the tool. Where the opportunity lies is in the context, the resistance you run into, what stops you from doing it well, and what stops you from actually using it. These kinds of issues, these are often deep emotional issues, psycho-spiritual issues. They are, in other words, the context of how you relate to the content of the tool. I've been helping people go through this process for almost 20 years, and yeah, that makes me feel old but that's okay. And almost no one gets it done without a lot of prodding inspiration and help understanding what's getting them stuck. So in this course, I'm going to cover the nine most essential business tools and tell you how to do them well. But more importantly, I'm going to coach you through the most common issues that get in the way. This is typically only what I do with individual clients, but I'm going to do it in a group format for the first time ever. How I'm going to pull that off, I honestly don't know at the moment. That's the challenge that gets me excited about this course. Your challenge is to take it on. This course I'd consider a requirement for any business owner, but it will significantly help anyone with a job, especially managers. 
For more information, please go to clearandopen.com slash essential. Again, that's clearandopen.com slash essential. This course is such a meaty task. I'm teaching it in two parts. Part one begins in the summer quarter, June 24th, 2021, and runs nine consecutive weeks. Part two runs 11 weeks consecutively, beginning September 9. You can join anytime if you're brave, and I hope to see you there. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. Greetings and welcome, everybody. Nice to see you all. Thanks for being here for session two of Claiming Self-Authority. Let's do just like five minutes or so of a meditation just to get present. So you can close your eyes if you like, but you do whatever it is that makes you comfortable. And you can begin with attention on the breath. And you're just allowing the breath to be exactly as it is. Not trying to change it at all. Just allow it to be. You may notice your breath changes a bit as you attend to it. If that's the case, allow that to be. And whatever thoughts may be arising as you Attend to the breath. Allow those thoughts to be. Just allow them to be exactly as they are. And if you notice any sounds in your environment, any distractions, You can allow those to be too. What happens when you just allow everything to be exactly as it is? Without needing to change it. without needing to judge it. There's no need to push it away or to grasp it. Just allowing everything to be as it is. What happens in your experience when you do that?
if you have any thoughts that say, well, we can't allow everything to be, some things need to change, you can allow those thoughts to be there too. Everything is just being what it is. As it is. And in this moment, there's nothing you need to do about it. Your heart is beating. Your lungs are breathing. Your thoughts are thinking, and it's all just fine. You can stay in this place if you like for as long as you want. But we're going to shift into talking about some other things. Thank you to those of you who sent me your work. It was very informative for me, told me what we needed to talk about today far as I can tell. If you haven't done the assignment yet, I really encourage you to jump on that so that you don't get behind in the course that can lead to overwhelm. And normally in the beginning of these sessions, I'll do questions and debriefings of the assignment, but I'm not going to do that today because I want to jump into something. We may talk about what your experience was with it later on today. But I want to begin by talking about, we're going to do what's called a dialectic. Dialectic is sort of an inquiry into the truth of things with premises that build upon each other. So I'm going to assert that one aspect of self-authority, an aspect of power, being able to see the best in people. Easy to accept that, right? If you see the best in people, makes you a good leader, good manager, a good friend, good spouse. It's a pretty handy skill. I don't think there'd be any disagreement about that. Being able to see the best in people is useful. Being able to see the best in yourself It's also very useful, isn't it? That is, I'd say, a key ingredient in accessing your own personal power because your own personal power, well, that's pretty much the essence of the best of you. And the two are related, right? If you can't see the strengths in you, it's often difficult to see the strengths in other people. No disagreement so far, right? If you have have any difficulty with my premises or you want to object, just jump in. But I think those are pretty easy to assert. 
But what about the, the ability to see the worst in people? Is that a useful skill? And what about being able to see the worst in yourself? Is that useful? Okay, so there's some nods and some squints. So just sort of intuitively, if you were to ask a thousand people, which is more valuable, being able to see the best in people and yourself or being able to see the worst in other people and yourself, you can imagine that study's results would show you that most people would favor the good stuff over the bad stuff. I'm going to assert that that's a problem. And the reason it's a problem is because the best and the worst in content appear different. But in context, they're the same. They're two sides of the same coin. And this is not often appreciated in our society, how these two things are the same. And it creates quite a lot of problems. So if I say, what are the positive qualities of Adolf Hitler? Are those as immediately available to you as the negative ones? Or of Donald Trump? Or whoever your pariah of the moment may be? Joseph Stalin? Genghis Khan? We're taught to polarize good and bad in ways that are not actually realistic. They're, they're not really in the truth of things. So the people who invaded the Capitol, I don't know, a week ago? Yeah, I was thinking it was on the 6th. What were the positive qualities of those people? Do you stumble over that? Or is it easy to see? Conviction? Passion? A bias for action? Courage? Do you wince at any of those adjectives of describing those people? One of the things that I do when I work one-on-one -on -one with people is help them see how their biggest challenges are an expression of their deepest strengths. In other words, how their weaknesses and their strengths are the same. So for example, it's very common in our world these days for people to have difficulty with attention span easily distracted. But show me someone who's easily distracted, and I will show you someone who has a lot of really good ideas. Someone with a lot of energy, usually creative. Boring, dull, uninventive, uncreative people don't have difficulty with distraction. They go together, you see. Or micromanagers who supervise their people, look over their shoulder. Those are generally not people with low standards. They have a sense of how things ought to be done, and they're usually right. That's the good strength, the good essence of that. Someone who doesn't have a strong opinion about how something should be done and is right doesn't micromanage. They go together. Someone with anger problems usually has a lot of conviction, passion. People without conviction, passion, interest in truth, 
they generally don't get angry. People who enable other people and caretake and let them off the hook and let them get away with things, don't hold them accountable, are deeply caring people with a lot of love. You see, they go together. Always. So you see the very idea that a strength and a weakness are opposite isn't true. So if it's not true, and it's easy to see that it's not true, then why do we polarize it that way? Why do we separate strengths and weaknesses and then make the good stuff good and the bad stuff bad when it's actually all the same thing? Why do we do that? Well, one reason is because when we were kids, we were taught about the concept of self-esteem. You remember in the States, I think it's eighth grade health. That's the year I learned it. In that health where they don't really define what health is, but they go on to tell you what it looks like. They define self-esteem as having to do with your self-image, how you see yourself. You want to have a positive self-image. So that the gap between who you are and how you want to see yourself is, gets closed. You see yourself in a positive light. But let's unpack that idea for a moment, the positive self-image. It's an image. An image by definition is not reality. You know, when you go to a restaurant and they have pictures of the food that you can order, those are images. They will not fill you up. They will not satisfy you. It's just an image. But we're trained from a very early age that looking good is more important than reality. That your presentation to the world matters a lot, a lot more than what is true. This conditioning I offer drains your power. Conventional wisdom says, focus on your strengths, work with your strengths. What about the weaknesses? Well, you can improve some of them but best set most of them aside and just stay in a zone where your strengths apply. And that's classic in business. Work with your strengths, play to your strengths. And of course, there's truth to that. If you, like me, have terrible spatial relations ability, I should not become a tour guide or a graphic designer or an interior decorator, because that, those jobs don't play to my strengths. They're, they would be connected to some of my deepest weaknesses. So yeah, I'm not going to try to make a living doing something that is central to my weaknesses. But what happens if I set those aside entirely and don't even want to pay attention to them, not aware of them, pretend, wanting to pretend they're not there? 
well, what might happen would be I try to decorate my own home without getting any help from anybody and do a really bad job of it. So the awareness of the weakness would cause me to get help and ameliorate the fact that it's a weakness. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.